Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fast talk. Street talk. Talk radio. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let's get one thing straight. There's nothing common about the people who listen to this show. Uh, this is a show for the elites. Not just the elites that you think are the elites, but for all the real elites. The people who actually make this country count. The people that make this country matter. Uh, the ordinary people of this country. And there's nothing wrong with being ordinary, by the way, uh, because many of you are extraordinary. And today, here's what we're going to do. Because, you know, there's a bit of doom and gloom sort of hanging over the horizon. There's a little bit of mist. There's a little bit of fog. There's a little bit of uncertainty. Uh, there is, however, some good news uh, on the medical front. Finally, uh, the medical people and the politicians have agreed with what we've been saying for the best part of the last two weeks, i.e. the Omicron variant isn't very dangerous. I mean, that's all you need to know, really. It's less likely to make you end up going to hospital. It's less likely to kill you. It's less likely to reduce you down uh, to some kind of quivering wreck. Uh, More than likely, it's not going to be of any damage to you whatsoever. And this is a new study that's come out, real-world data from Edinburgh University. They're going to make it official uh, coming up just after the news at lunchtime. However, before we do any of that, and before we speak to all of our great guests today, uh, what I'm going to say to you is this. I think it's time that we celebrated you. The people that have listened to talk radio religiously over the course of the last 12 months, maybe even over the course of the last 24 months, maybe, if you're really lucky, over the course of the last 36 months, because we here at the Independent Republic of Mike Graham have been leading the charge for talk radio and for all of you good people out there, many of you who have told me how much it's meant to you, how much you've really, really been inspired by some of the things that you've heard on our radio station and how we've really been able to help you through this difficult period of time. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I don't want that, any of that. I don't want people to ring up and tell me how great I am. Please, I already know how great I am, so there's no need. The point is this. What I'd like you to do is call me up and tell me your stories today. Tell me about what your year has been like. Some of the stories we've heard this year have been, quite frankly, humbling. They've been absolutely incredible. Uh, they've been unbelievably um, heartrending in some ways. We've heard tales of tragedy. We've heard tales of woe. We've heard tales of death. We've heard tales of disease. We've heard tales of people becoming sicker and sicker and sicker. We've heard people saying how they couldn't hold hands uh, with their mother as they were dying because of the rules that were put in place by this government. We've heard stories of how people have lost their businesses because of the way that the economy has been tanked by some of the policies of this government. But we've also heard some very uplifting stories, the stories of people uh, who have managed to get through whatever the problems have been this year 
for all sorts of reasons. People who have helped each other, people who have been helped by other people, people who have just been inspired somehow uh, by seeing people suffering and by doing something about it. And so here's what I'd like to ask you to do. And you don't have to. Um, there is absolutely no pressure whatsoever. But if you'd like to tell me a story about your year, if you'd like to tell us how it's gone for you, if you'd like to share something about something good or something terrible, um, we're here for you. It's what we do. Uh, you know the number, 0344 499 1000. And that's please, uh, any time of the day or night, you can call this station, you can talk to somebody. Sometimes it's good just to talk to somebody. Um, and as I say, this is not all about us. It's not all about talk radio and how brilliant we all are. Uh, but I have got some fantastic colleagues here and I'd like to thank all of them. I'd like to thank all of the people who work behind the scenes as well. Uh, we've had an amazing year, uh, as ever. It's been incredible. It's been challenging. It's been difficult. Um, sometimes it's been impossible to operate. You know, at times last year, I was the only person in the entire building actually broadcasting. The only person, because everyone else was doing it from home. It's been an incredible couple of years. I'd like to say... Because of what we now know about the Omicron virus, um, the variant, I think we might be coming out of it, right? After two weeks of worrying the heck out of people, the scientists have now decided that Omicron isn't very dangerous at all. So it looks like not putting further restrictions on Christmas is actually the right thing to do. So tick one in the plus box for Boris Johnson. He hasn't got very many of those. I got sent a meme yesterday, uh, which has got Boris Johnson introducing himself to a lectern at Downing Street, followed by a series of very famous people basically telling him to F off. <laughs> and I mean, that's kind of where he is right now, isn't it? They're shouting at him. They're shouting his name at football matches uh, alongside another word, which I can't say. Um, even at Ali Pali at the darts, they were dissing him. Stand up if you hate Boris. You know, this is a man who likes to be popular. So I think it's time now for Boris to be popular. Take the nettle, grasp it, hold it tightly and say no more restrictions, no more lockdowns, no more clamping down on hospitality, no more Chris Whitty, no more doom mongers, no more sage. Let's get on with living. Let's get on with giving. Let's get on with Christmas. Let's get on with New Year. And let's get on with 2022, shall we? 0344 499 1000. As I say, Brendan Chilton's going to join us. We've got some wine and cheese coming later, courtesy of Helena Nicklin, uh, in keeping, of course, with a business meeting, as we always do on a Thursday afternoon, the Thursday Club. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Give us a call. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's start with uh, Brendan Chilton this morning, CEO of the Independent Business Network, Labour Party man, of course, as well. Brendan, greetings of the season to you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mike, and to all your listeners. Great to be with you today. Very nice to see you because we've been uh, talking for a long time, you and I, um, and uh, we've seen some things, some of which we haven't enjoyed seeing, some of which we have. Um, I think we can all congratulate ourselves that we've reached the... Uh, the point at which we are now at, which is literally two days from Christmas, looks like everybody's going to be able to have, or at least most people we know are going to be able to have a decent Christmas. Uh, and we move on from there. And I guess the most important thing, Brendan, um, is that one, we're all still here. Two, um, it looks as though Omicron isn't going to be a massive threat in the new year as well. So it's important, isn't it, that, that Boris doesn't do the wrong thing here? It is extremely important that he doesn't do the wrong thing. And let's remember, Mike, uh, when the Omicron variant was discovered uh, in South Africa, uh, I forget her name, but there was a, a quite notable South African scientist who appeared on, I think it was she appeared on Twitter. Yeah, Radio. Co uh, it's, it's, it's Professor Coetzee, I believe her name is. That's the one, Professor Coetzee. Yeah, I didn't want to get her name wrong. Yeah. Um, and she told us that it was a very mild uh, a version of the Delta variant of covid uh, it was slightly more transmissible, but that Britain was totally overreacting. Mm. 
um, to the new strain. And she's been proved absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, the first comprehensive study showed uh, her to be true. And now, uh, as this report coming from Edinburgh uh, is going to confirm that as well. So we've had two weeks, as you just said, of fear, of nonsense, of briefings and all the media that happened around it. I still think it was all to divert attention from the party story, which obviously has failed miserably. Um, but really, I think Boris, if he wants to try and resurrect his premiership, he should announce perhaps on Boxing Day that there will be no more restrictions, all freedoms are being restored, the COVID laws are being repealed and Britain can get back on the march again. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Because, I mean, quite frankly, we have that um, a position to now adopt because it would seem that if the reports in the papers this morning are correct, and I have no reason not to believe them, um, because, as you say, we'll be getting it all confirmed around lunchtime today from the University of Edinburgh study, um, you know, if, in fact, this is relatively mild, if it is not going to result in huge numbers of people being admitted to hospitals, let's not forget, you know, these bleeding modellers have been telling us that there could be 5,000 deaths a day uh, if things carried on. I listened to a guy this morning on the radio saying, well, the thing is, we made these um, um, estimates and we made these models based upon how things were going at the time. And they're now trying to say, oh, well, of course, the reason that it's not as bad as it was, we thought it was going to be is because people changed their behaviour. Mike, I think throughout this whole pandemic, since we started talking, I think there's not been one forecast uh, that's been made by these people that hasn't predicted what we're all snuffed and yeah. we're all done yet we're all still here um and they've been wrong on most accounts and they always present to us the worst case scenario i mm. don't know what it is about these people but they seem to you know desire doom and gloom where most people uh, want to get on with their lives run their business be able to see their families and enjoy uh, Christmas when we've had really two years of, of rubbish right. um, and so you know when the, they came out the other week and said oh we're gonna have as you just said up to 5,000 people dying a day I think the people have just stopped believing them yes uh, because when something becomes so fantastic and so farcical and it, it becomes unbelievable uh, so when you see these little you know scientific science geeks sitting on telly saying oh you're all done for no one believes them um, and with the stuff that went on as well in Whitehall, I think people, even if restrictions had have been introduced, would have just gone on and enjoyed Christmas as they wanted to, because we're not going to be lectured to for, by people from on high that aren't adhering to rules that we all are being forced to comply with. Well, exactly right. And the bottom line as well uh, is that, you know, people have had enough of, of, uh, of a government which tells them to do one thing and then doesn't do that thing themselves. I mean, we've got a very bizarre, and I was going to ask you about the police uh, and the year the police have had, because I think this has got to be one of the worst years the police have ever had uh, in this country. We've now got ourselves into this ludicrous situation where the police have been investigating themselves because they didn't investigate um, an investigation properly when they were asked to. And you're kind of going, sorry? Um, so what, what's going on now? And apparently um, <laughs> apparently, the police were asked to investigate whether or not there was a party at Downing Street. They decided they weren't going to investigate it on the grounds that there wasn't enough evidence to investigate it. And then they decided to investigate themselves for not investigating it. Is that about right? Uh, Mike, I'm pretty sure that's correct somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it is a, a complete mess. And I think you're right to say that this has not been uh, the best year for policing in this country. No. Um, whether it's on the question of investigating the parties at number 10, whether it was the Sarah Everard case and the protest or rather demonstration that took place on Clapham Common earlier this year, it has been a pretty abysmal year for mm. policing. Um, it, really, it really has. I mean, they've got basically everything wrong. Anything that they could have got yes. wrong, they got wrong. 
They did indeed. And also, I think the other thing that hasn't helped them is some police forces, not all, but some police forces, I think, have really rather enjoyed having these new COVID powers uh, that they were granted by the government. And they have, I think, in some cases, abused them, fining people for going on walks or fining people for not having coffee in their cup when they were going on walks in mm. parks. Absolutely ridiculous. And not to mention the amount of time policing now seems to spend monitoring what people say and think on Twitter when they should be out there fighting real crime, murderers and thugs and other criminals. And letting people express opinions and go about their day-to-day -day business when they're not breaking the law um i personally think you know we in this country we have policing by consent um that's the way it has always been and if the police wish to have the confidence of the british people they're going to have to get their house in order next year yes i think that's absolutely right so i mean in in in, in on balance i think you know people have reached the end of their tether really um, there are one or two recalcitrants, I suppose, people that you might call, um, you know, the terrified middle classes who want to stay home, but only because they want to stay home. They're not actually frightened because they're not <laughs> frightened to go on holiday to, to Gstaad if they can get away. And they're not frightened to get on a plane to go to the Caribbean, you know, but they are frightened to go to work just in case, you know, they might have to do something. Um, but I say apart from most of those people, the, the huge bulk of the country, let's not forget, had to go to work. They didn't work from home because they couldn't. I'm told an awful lot of places outside of London, it's difficult to judge for me because I'm not outside of London, um, an awful lot of places outside of London are quite busy. A lot of shopping centres have ran with people today. Uh, there's been a lot of people travelling on the roads. That, you know, the trains are busy if you can get on one that actually goes anywhere. You know, so, so there are people who are quite happy now to go out um, and be sensible and do their own thing. Mike, everywhere I go, whether it's supermarket or coming into London or down the pub, whatever it is, I haven't met one person that has disagreed with the following statement. We've got to learn to live with it. Yes. Most people out there now are in that space. Mm. Uh, you know, the chattering classes have always been a bit work shy. The lazy used to rise late in the day uh, back in the 19th century. But the good working <laughs> class people of this country are tough. They're resolute and they want to get on with their lives. And I think we should pay more attention to their concerns and what they want rather than a few perhaps having dinner parties in North yes, London. Exactly so, right. And, um, and given yeah. what we're seeing this morning on the front pages and the fact that Omicron is likely to be less of a problem than, than it was at first thought to be, the scientists are starting to make the right noises. They're sort of saying, well, of course, we'll all be very happy if it turns out that the warnings <laughs> weren't necessary. Well, that's good. But it's important now, is it not, that Boris turns around next week, as you said, and doesn't suddenly go, oh, well, we'll just have to keep watching. Because this is now the data they were asking for. They've now got the data they wanted. The data says it's not a problem. That That's completely right. And this is exactly what uh, the Prime Minister needs to do next week. And not just this year, if he's still in office next year, because we, we will get another variant next year. The nature of a virus is always mutates. So when we get one next year and the year after and the year after that, he should say, we have now got to learn to live with this. Mm. We've all been jabbed. The booster program's going well. It, the scientists, thank you for what you've done. Some of you have been a bit alarmist, but go back to your test tubes and your labs and all the rest yeah. of it. Let the country and Get the back to the White back. Coat Brigade. I mean, you know, Absolutely. There's, no, there's no, there's no, uh, it's no, it's no accident that the scientists and the people running the lunatic asylum all wear white coats. I'm afraid, <laughs> you know, there's something, there's something in that. Um, the other big story, I suppose, Brendan, that has dominated this year has been the migrant story. Um, you've been particularly involved in that because of your location uh, down there in Ashford in Kent. Um, you've seen it firsthand what the actual Im impact is on on local services, on social services in in Kent and in Dover in particular, where child services apparently overrun, uh, completely overwhelmed. I mean, forget about the NHS. You know, these are places where they can't take any more kids. You know, um, 
they're going to have to sort this out, aren't they? They are going to have to sort it out. And I would just say, Mike, as well, people think of Kent and the southeast of England as this sort of extremely wealthy, affluent part of the country. Mm. There are huge issues, uh, particularly around the old Medway towns, Thanet, and the coastal towns mm. that have seen economies destroyed over the past few years. And they cannot accommodate these extra costs for having to look after people who are illegally coming into the country. Now, of course, <laughs> we have sympathy with anyone. Uh, that is a genuine asylum seeker and is in fear of their lives. This country has been uh, famous for that throughout history. But allowing people to cross that channel, which, as I've said so many times, I think uh, with you, Mike, it is an extremely dangerous stretch of water and yes. one of the busiest waterways in the world. And at this time of year, I can tell your uh, listeners who may not live in this part of the world, it's a little bit choppy as mm. well and extremely cold. Yes. Um, we had that terrible... Uh, disaster a few weeks ago now where a boat sank and unfortunately uh, numbers of people were killed that's something we have known about and was reported how many others have fallen off the boats or other boats have sunk etc yeah. that we don't know about mm. and never will know about um, in the new year frankly the government have just got to sort this out and I think what it's going to mean is more investment by the French and perhaps the British government along the north coast because where they've essentially uh, turned Calais into a, a fortress if you like with all the extra fencing and patrols and everything all the um, illegal people traffickers have done is move further up the coast and uh, the journeys are slightly longer um, but the French have also got to take a role on this if they could arrest people uh, after that disaster a few weeks ago they clearly knew who these people were and mm. what they were doing why did it take a disaster in the channel to have these people arrested they should have been behind bars months ago yeah, absolutely right. Brendan, stay with us for a moment. I've got a couple of other questions to ask you. We're going to ask you about the future for the Labour Party in the coming months, what Keir Starmer is going to be doing, uh, what he's going to be saying, how he's going to be holding the government to account. Because, of course, yesterday he came out uh, with yet another great Starmerism where he went, well, of course, the Labour Party is very much in favour uh, of making sure that the economy gets back to normal and we're very much in favour of protecting public health. Um, and all we're waiting now for is the government to have a plan so that we can say they should have done it earlier. <laughs> That's basically where they are now, the Labour Party. Uh, we'll take your calls, though. Please do get in touch. We want to hear your stories this uh, this day, because I think today is a good day uh, to hand over the uh, the power to you guys, because you've listened to us for a long period of time. Uh, you've had your views. You've disagreed with some of what we've said. You've agreed with some of it. Um, and I'd like to know what sort of year you've had and, and, and exactly how you're feeling uh, as we go into Christmas. A couple of days away now, uh, we will hopefully all be able to enjoy a decent Christmas. And, uh, and if you can't do that, then uh, by all means, try and uh, enjoy it with us and share it with us. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is Thursday, of course, so we will be imbibing uh, a little bit later on. Some wine and cheese being provided, not by the taxpayer, uh, but by Helena Nicklin, because uh, we don't agree with uh, getting taxpayers to pay for our booze and our cheese. We pay for our own. Uh, thank you very much indeed, or at least we get it brought in uh, by people who are willing to, uh, shall we say, um, donate it to us. Uh, JK says, have all the Western leaders been drugged or implanted by some alien for control? Drakeford and Sturgeon's rules are utter nonsense now, and Spain have now mandated masks outside due to a spike in cases. What the hell is happening? 
We are absolutely, um, yes, I can't say that really, JK, but I know what you mean. I think most people will know what you mean. It is extraordinary, isn't it, what's going on around the world? I mean, over in America, uh, they're telling people in some parts of the US of A uh, that they can't go anywhere unless they're vaccinated. They can't go to work. Uh, they can't go to restaurants. Their children can't go to restaurants. Um, they're running out of, uh, of all sorts of testing kits because they're worried that the Omicron variant is going to take over the country. And it's like, come on, man, chill out. Just chill. Chill it. You know, just watch a bit of um, Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean. Uh, we're talking to Brendan Chilton, um, talking of chilling out. Uh, Brendan, talk to us about um, the next year ahead, because I know it's always difficult to make pre- to make predictions uh, at the best of times. Um, but at this time uh, of the year, it's even more difficult to do, because what we have, I suppose, is a, a government which is in flux at some point or other. Boris Johnson has had a miserable end to his year. Um, it might start coming together slightly if he doesn't actually lock everybody down and if he does manage to keep things going throughout New Year, because there's already, as far as I'm seeing anyway, there's already people in London talking about having parties. There's people in London talking about if, well, listen, if Omicron is not going to be a problem, then there is no reason for us to hunker down. There's no reason for us to hide out. There's no reason for us to disappear off into the uh, wilderness and not have any social interaction whatsoever. So... If that is what you're going to do, we'd like to hear from you because today what we're doing is we're opening up the phone lines for all of you to join in uh, with the Independent Republic of Mike Graham to share your stories, to tell us what you've been doing, to tell us how 2021 has been for you. Uh, we're going to get Brendan Chilton back in a moment, CEO of the Independent Business Network, of course. He is also the acceptable face of the Labour Party, uh, as we always like to say. Brendan, let's talk a bit about the future for the Labour Party coming up in the next year because obviously... Um, you know, the Labour Party has had a bit of a transition in the past 12 months, you might say, since um, the election in 2019, since Keir Starmer became the new boss. Um, he's tried his best to sort of, you know, make the party more moderate again, bring it back to its kind of Blairite um, incarnation. What do you think is going to happen with Keir Starmer over the course of the next few months? Well, I think uh, you're absolutely right to identify, Mike, that the Labour Party has changed an enormous amount. Um, recent polling has shown the party is you know, moving ahead of the government. I think this is largely due to the uh, scandals recently over parties and all the rest of it mm. in Whitehall. But the lead is not huge. Uh, it is a lead that could quite easily uh, be overturned by a government that maybe experiences a revival in the new year. So I think Labour, uh, over the course of the next year, needs to ensure it's election ready uh, by spelling out its alternative on the economy. We've had a few noises from the party on making more in Britain and on standing up for business. But what does that mean in policy terms? Mm. It needs We can't just criticise the government. It needs to have a credible alternative. Yeah. I also think the party, uh, as Tony Blair said a few weeks ago, has got to completely avoid the woke culture wars and stick to ordinary common sense. Mm. Um, because most people find all this identity nonsense and, you know, Britain's a racist country and all that nonsense, they find it completely absurd mm. uh, because it is. So we've got to avoid that as well. I think Keir Starmer also needs to focus next year on making sure the Labour Party spells out its vision of Britain outside the European Union. Yeah. Um, although North Shropshire shows that people have you know, sort of by and large, maybe stop voting on their traditional Brexit lines, it's still an issue. And so Labour needs to spell out what Britain's going to look like in the world outside the European Union. If it does those three things, I think it'll edge closer 
And of course, Mike, we, we may not have time to discuss it now, but there is still a hell of a mountain to climb in Scotland. And unless Labour makes a significant recovery in Scotland, gaining 10 to 30 seats up there, we won't get that majority. Yeah, I'm not sure I ever see that returning, you know. I don't, I don't I mean, as much as Sturgeon has become less popular over the course of the last 12 months, I would say, uh, in the general population in Scotland, apart from the sort of fanatical SNP types, um, I don't see the Labour Party making much of an inroad, really, even though Anas Sarwar is a pretty decent guy. I think I think we're uh, I think we're all out of uh, communications devices in uh, Northwest Kent or shall we say Southeast Kent? I'm not quite sure. Um, Brendan, listen, I'm going to bid you farewell. I'm going to bid you uh, a good night uh, because we've had some great chats this year. Uh, this one, however, has ended up being a bit difficult to navigate. So um, you have a great Christmas and you enjoy it. And I'm sure we'll talk to you coming up uh, in the new year because this is the penultimate show uh, here at the Independent Republic for this year. Because tomorrow we've got a bit of a special one for you. Tomorrow we're going to be celebrating Christmas Eve in the company of young Mr. Kevin O'Sullivan. So it's myself and Kevin um, doing a bit of a double header, um, which obviously will be um, a fabulous thing to, uh, to witness. But it will also mean that this is actually the last show I'm doing on my own, funnily enough. Uh, so do get your calls in. We've got loads of them coming in already. I do want to talk to you all about how this year has been for you, uh, how you've coped, how you've managed to get through it and how you hope that this will be the beginning of the end of all of this madness. And that hopefully with the news this morning that Omicron really is not uh, something to worry too much about and is indeed, as we suspected, um, a much milder version of COVID than anything else that's previously been seen. It may well be that we are uh, at the start of the beginning of the long journey back to normality. Let's hope so, shall we? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk, however, now to Dr. Lawrence Gurley's GP at same day. Dr. Lawrence, very good morning to you. Greetings of the good season. Morning. Yeah, you too, you too. It's been a very interesting year. It uh, has, hasn't it? Yeah, a year where you and I said there will be no flu epidemic this winter, and we were right. Yes. We so, so we haven't. So we. So we're not having another flu epidemic like we didn't nothing, have one last year. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. We were told that we were going to have COVID and flu together. Nothing. There's been zero cases of flu that we've seen. Right. There's been a, a, a minor bug going around, which gives people a sore throat and a cough. That's not COVID. I mean, I, I had a, I must admit, I had a pretty nasty form of some yeah. form of flu, stroke, yeah. cold, which wasn't COVID um, yeah. for about a week and a half, I'd have to say. I only just shook it off last weekend. Yeah, I, I had that as well. It, it, but it's just a bad cold, really. That's all it, it was. It wasn't really flu. Hmm. But So there hasn't been a flu epidemic. We thought we'd see the back of COVID. But in fact, it, you and I were looking at the, the data from South Africa originally. And if you'd listened to Dr. Coetzee from South Africa... You'd have known two weeks ago what the mainstream media are reluctantly publishing today, which is that Omicron, as you've just said, is a mild variant, in a way a human vaccine, mm -hmm. because I've seen, I'm seeing people who are testing positive with no symptoms whatsoever. Right. Well, this is, what, this is what troubles me so much about the front page of papers like the Daily Mirror, uh, where they're saying, as milder Omicron surges, that's the sort of, you know, the, the, the strap yeah. line, young people are dying in intensive care, they haven't had their jabs. And there's no real evidence to back up that headline whatsoever. Uh, they're talking to people saying uh, that in Liverpool, there's quite a lot of younger people being admitted to hospital, but there's no evidence to suggest that they're actually dying, one. No. Um, and there's no. certainly no evidence to suggest that of all of the cases that are being uh, found to be positive, 106,000 yesterday, um, there's only a handful of people going into hospital. 
Yeah. Omicron does not replicate in the lung. Let's talk about the size. It replicates in the nose and, and upper respiratory passages. Mm. It doesn't replicate in the lungs, and you don't get the cytokine surge, that awful immune reaction at nine days that we had after Delta that was the thing that, that was so seriously damaging to people's yeah. health. So it's a mild virus. As I say, it's, it's a vaccine. You get immunity once you've had it. Yeah. And we shouldn't restrict it. We should let people go out. Uh, and it's, I don't actually believe it's a risk to older people either because it's not going to go into their lungs. If you're very, very vulnerable and you've had your vaccines, you'll get, you'll get a mild case of Omicron. It should not damage you. But being unvaccinated is a risk factor, and, and there's no doubt that there are more people unvaccinated in hospital than there should be, and the vaccines do prevent serious illness and death. I'm, I don't buy into this compulsion of vaccines. It's up to individuals. If you want to get ill and go into hospital after you've had COVID, then don't have a vaccine. But mm. it's, it's not about protecting the community at all. It's about protecting yourself. If you want to stay out of hospital, have your vaccines. That's mm. what I said. Yeah, people. but I, equally, there are people going into hospital with with, with the vaccines as well, because there's, yeah. there's still the main uh, and 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 overwhelmingly um, sort of um, shall we say uh, compulsory things that go wrong are if you are of a certain age, i.e., over the age of 80, 81, uh, and if you are overweight. Those are the two factors yeah. that are going to probably lead you to be admitted to hospital if you get COVID. Yeah, yeah. but at the moment that those people are being admitted to hospital and are unlikely to be with Omicron. There's still a bit of a Delta wave uh, going around, although it's decreasing rapidly. I, I read yesterday that Delta is disappearing, and that's got to be good news. If, if you looked at the death rate yesterday, it was lower than the previous week. Although the cases were in six figures and up on the week before, the actual number of deaths was, was in fact lower. Mm. And that trajectory appears to be on the way down. And we're going to see the Omicron cases on the way down very soon. As they, have we seen in South Africa? If it, people only had looked at the South African data and listened to what was being said, they wouldn't be using these words like tsunami and surging, as, as one that you just mentioned, uh, rocketing on the BBC News yesterday. Cases are rocketing. We're going to have a tsunami. These are all... Not only are they wrong, right. and in fact they're lies, but they're, they're words designed to create fear, anxiety, um, and paranoia in people. I, I've met people who have not been out of the house for two years, mm. uh, except to come and see a doctor or do essential shopping. That is what the last two years, and that's what this, the, the, the hype by some parts of the media has done to people. It's created huge amounts of mental distress. Uh, and as you say, let's look forward to next year, seeing the back of this and, and getting back to a normal life. Yeah, absolutely right. But what do you make of some of the things that we're seeing around the world? Because obviously in Germany, they're clamping down on people coming in from other countries. Um, I don't know whether that's got a specific thing to do with Omicron. Um, we've got Israel talking about uh, introducing a fourth uh, booster jab to everybody. Uh, you've got Spain talking about bringing back mandatory masks outside in the open air. Um, in America, they're, they're clamping down on people who aren't vaccinated. You know, there's a lot of sort of strange things going on in different parts of the world. Well, I'm hoping that they're all going to start coming to their senses. I, I, you know, these governments have become drunk with power. They've enjoyed being able to tell people what to do um, in a sort of totalitarian way and a way they've not done for years. And, and they've really lost sight of, of what really matters here, which is 
to keep people happy and healthy, to keep people at work if they want to go to work, yeah. Um, yeah. and to protect children so that children go to school and not be locked up with with an abusive parent all day long. Um, and I'm hoping common sense prevails, but I'm, I'm equally disappointed by the behaviour of, of some of the other countries around the world. It it doesn't make me feel any better about you know the way the Welsh government or the Scottish government are behaving. I just think they're, they're all over-reading, mm. over-reacting. They're all taking this worst-case scenario, and we have to be grateful to the editor of The Spectator for exposing yes. um, that the, the, the modelling, which was being designed to look at the worst-case scenarios. And that's the way people have been all along. Everyone is saying, well, you know, I don't want... I don't want to make a mistake and have deaths on my hands, right. so I'm going to plan for the worst case scenario. Well, that, in my view, that is not the way to run people's health. I'm no. not even talking about the economy. It's not the way to keep people. But that's people the other thing. The thing that always astonishes me, Lawrence, is that when they talk about these kind of um, precautions that they're taking and saying better to be safe than sorry, well, actually, it isn't better to be safe than sorry in all circumstances because actually the damage that you cause, and we know this for sure about lockdowns, uh, about the effect on, on the NHS in other areas where people need to be treated outside of the COVID situation. You know, we know that by putting more and more restrictions on children, on schools, on hospitals, on doctor surgeries, that that's actually damaging to the society we live in, not just to the economy, but just to its general well-being. And people like you and I, you know, I signed the Great Barrington Declaration a long time ago, which yeah. made this clear. You've got to think about health in general. I've seen patients that have had letters from their hospital saying, we're cancelling your follow-up appointment because we're focusing on COVID or we're focusing yeah. on the vaccination programme. Right. And I, I don't think that's right. I had a, a text from my own GP surgery saying, we're closing down the online access because we're focusing on vaccination. Well, you know, that's not what I want. Every text I've had from my GP over the last year has had the same basic message, go away, mm. stay away. We don't want to see you. Right. But I, I just don't think that's fair on people. I don't think it's the service that people deserve and should be provided with. And everyone has gone into this virtue signaling. There's a fetish now mm. about virtue signaling for COVID, that if it's, you know, a doctor's better spending their day vaccinating people than actually examining them to see if they've well, got cancer. Clearly the answer for me is the latter should be the priority, not the former. Yeah. Uh, but let me ask you one final question, uh, Lawrence. What do you reckon um, in terms of the numbers, in terms of the stats that we've been seeing? You know, we hear every day, much to my chagrin, you know, numbers of people vaccinated, yeah. numbers of people dying. When do you yeah. think we'll see a kind of a general dropping off of deaths, you know, to the point where it's under 100 every single day and then therefore almost negligible? Yeah, certainly by mid-January, my prediction. Uh, the, the the other trouble is we're testing far too much, so mm. the cases are going to go up. Um, I think a lot of test centres, a lot of staff are going on holiday in the next couple of weeks, so yeah. that might create an artificial reduction. But then a bit of a surge in cases, sorry, in positive tests, right. not cases, right. in the new right. year. But by mid-January, the deaths will have stabilised. That's mm. my prediction, and you, you can you can call me back in mid-January and tell me if I was right or wrong. We've been right, Mike, about most things. We didn't yes. predict five waves of this, but we did predict that there'd be no flu epidemic this year. We did predict that things are going to get better, not worse. And yeah. you know, grudgingly now, even the mainstream media are saying Omicron is mild, which you and I said three weeks ago. Yeah. Absolutely right. Well, listen, have a great Christmas, Lawrence. Uh, we'll see you on the other side. I'm sure you're right uh, once again about things tapering off in January because they will. I'm sure they will.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, let us say a very warm welcome to Mr. James Chiaverini, Esquire. James, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mike. Merry Christmas to you too. Thanks now, for having me. Now, listen, um, I haven't had you on um, for too long, and I apologise in advance for that, because we should have had you on uh, last week when uh, Witty decided to p- put the kibosh on hospitality, and you were tweeting that you know, you'd know you rather actually see them shutting everything down in, in January, because yeah. at least then you'd get some help. You'd be able to put everybody on a bit of a furlough scenario for a month, and it's not a great month for you guys anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the reality is that they've scared away our business anyway. So right. we, we have, so the damage is done. 100% the damage is done. This is the worst case scenario where they basically, they mandate that people shouldn't go to your restaurant, but mm. they won't help you out financially. So they, they're, re- they're really kneecapping you without giving you any kind of support. Right. Uh, if they were to actually force a, a closure, then they would have to put their hands in their pockets. Right. So either way, you, you still lost out. So, so frankly, the best situation from a restaurant perspective, from our perspective, and that's only from our perspective, is to have a mandated closure because mm. you've lost the business anyway, Mike. Right, of course. And I mean, up until that moment when Chris Whitty got up with Boris and said, you know, please uh, make sure that you manage and somehow, um, you know, limit your social activity, you know, like as if Chris Whitty's got any social activity to, to limit himself, you know. Um, that was the moment really, wasn't it, where people just started cancelling everything? Yeah, exactly right. So normally Christmas, December is only a three-week month anyway, because as soon as the 20th, 21st comes, mm. we'll stop really going out. You really yeah. run it to the academic calendar. Uh, but, I mean, that announcement was made on the 8th or 9th. So you basically got one week of trade in December, and then from that point, everything just dropped off a cliff. Yeah. And what do you think there's a reason for that? Because, I mean, I can sort of, you know, understand some people being worried about um, their bosses looking at them askance and saying, what are you doing going out for a big Christmas party? You shouldn't be doing that. But I mean, that's the big ones, right? I mean, that's the kind of, not the sort of people that come to your restaurant 
you know, where you might not take a... I mean, I would be surprised, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but you wouldn't have many parties bigger than 10, would you? You would be surprised, though, Mike. You'd really? be surprised how many, how many departments within big offices in Kensington and around here yeah. would still go out for their Christmas party. But a, a lot of it, unfortunately, Mike, is optics. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to be seen to be doing the wrong thing, right. even though they know in their heart of hearts mm. that it's actually perfectly fine. Yeah. We didn't know the severity of Omicron until recently. The damage has already been done to the industry. So now we'll just have to wait and see what happens in the new year, see right. whether they'll let us open for New Year's Eve. But frankly, even if they don't, there's not going to be that many people having big New Year's Eve parties this year, is there? No. But, you know, it's funny because I actually got an email from a guy not far from here in Borough uh, High Street. He runs in like quite an old Italian restaurant, not as good as yours, I have to say. Um, but uh, they're doing a New Year's Eve bash, right, where you give, they give people, it's, it's not a bad deal, 45 quid, uh, glass of Prosecco, glass of lemon cello yeah. at the end, three-course yeah. meal, um, and open till 4 a.m. with dancing. Now, I'd be amazed if, if they actually managed to make that work, but I take my hat off to them for trying. Yeah, good, good, absolutely good for them, and we need more people out there trying new things. The question is whether we're going to be allowed to do it. We still don't know. Mm. The problem as well, Mike, is that remember that because of the way that Christmas falls this year over the over the weekends, we've got an awful lot of back holidays, extra back holidays in you, which makes deliveries extremely difficult coming into Kendi, coming into London. Yeah. Which means that we need to plan in advance now for parties in between Christmas, New Year's, and New Year's. Mm. And we can't do that if we don't know if we're going to be open or not. No, right. I mean, again, it just goes, it just goes down to basic common sense, doesn't it, Mike? Well, it does. Anybody and... who's ever run a business knows that you need to plan and at least give us a give us some sort of indication of what's going on, so we know what the hell what the hell to yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, I take it that Rishi Sunak's package the other day wasn't much use to guys like yourself. I mean, six thousand per um, premises. I mean, I know you've got more than one there now in Kensington, no, so but, but still, um, it doesn't really get very far, does it? Well, it's, it's up to 6,000, depending on your rateable value, and that will scale up. So it'll probably either be 2,000, 4,000, or 6,000. Right. 6,000 will probably be reserved for the largest venues, which won't include us. Mm. So let's say, for example, we'd get between three and 4,000. The reality is that two, four, six, if that's how you're going to split it as, as, a, as a hierarchy, that's probably a day's taking for your average restaurant at that level. Mm. So maybe you'll lose 20 days of, the, of the takings and then replace one of them. So they're basically giving you back 5%. So have you been able to get any business in at all since the 8th or 9th? Uh, not bad, to be honest with you, Mike. I mean, we're down 50, 60%. Okay. I mean, you're sort of spreading water, you're losing a little bit of money. But you know what, Mike, at the end of the day, it's a hospitality business. We're here to provide a service and we've got to do that for our customers. Mm. Now, it does that, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it is comes down to an exercise of goodwill. You want to be there for your punters. You want to look after them. You want to be there for the people who do still want to go out and you want them to remember you in 2022 to sure. know that, you know, James is always there for me. Let's go out to him tonight. Yeah, no, definitely. And you can certainly bank on on me bringing a few uh, a few people over there, as you as you would expect in the, in the new year. But also the, but the other problem that people tell me about all the time in hospitality is it's it's not so much for you personally, even though you've had to, you know, put up an awful lot of your own money and you've had to sacrifice an awful lot of your own personal kind of um, savings in order to keep all this going. You know, it's the other people that work in the business. It's the chef. It's the, it's the waiters. I know the guys that, that work with you, you know, some of them um, had to go away on holiday. You couldn't replace them. I, thought, I know you, you were struggling to get a chef, I think, over the summer at one point. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah. you, can't, you can't expect people to work under these conditions, can you? No, you can't. And again, people need to plan because they want to take their holidays. And without any kind of sense of, of the nation from the government, it's impossible. Mm. Also, remember, Mike, the whole, there's a whole economy, there's a whole chain behind us that rests right. on 
my sonar business, you know, my fruit and veg supplier, yeah. you know, my butcher, Smithfield Market, Billingsgate, all the meat porters, all the fish porters, all the people that work on the on the boats, all the trawler men, everything goes down to the end consumer. And if the end consumer is not buying, that has a knock-on effect mm. all the way along the chain. And these guys are going to get no help. Mm. So, uh, yeah, okay, hospitality business will get some sort of grant from the, from the government. And to be honest with you, I'm going to bite their hand off for it, no matter how small it is, it doesn't yeah. make any difference. But my butcher, for example, he's not going to get any help. What about the guy rearing cattle for him? They're not going to get any help because no one's buying beef at the moment. And you, you know, don't know, and, and you don't know how much to buy, presumably, do you? I've no idea. You've got absolutely no idea how much to buy. And the last thing you want to be doing is stocking up before Christmas and then closing, because then you've got to check out 10, 10 grand's worth of stock like we had to do four times already this year. Yeah, right. At each lockdown, we lost about eight, well, probably somewhere between five to ten thousand pounds worth of stock. Right. At each lockdown. That's so an absolute sin, isn't it? Considering when you, when you got people starving, and I know it sounds like a ho- hokey old thing to say, but when you got people starving in the world and we're wasting this kind of food, it is absolutely. But then again, what else am I supposed to do with two hundred kilograms of mozzarella or something? You know, Mike. I mean, it's not like it's not the kind of food that you can easily give away to people. Right. You know. I mean, and um, and I don't know what's going. I mean, this year, every year, we've always supported a local homeless shelter. That's been knocked on the head this year, so we can't give it away to them. So, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a quandary, but you know what, Mike? Onwards and upwards. You yeah. Know, keep bugging on. And, you know, we just keep on going. That's yeah, it. listen, That's you're what... like my friend Donald in Scotland. You know, unbelievable kind of courage that you've shown and, and resilience that you've shown because, you know, I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, it's been easy for me. I just come in here and talk rubbish for three hours. And, you know, and that's that's pretty that's a pretty nobody really relies on me uh, to actually have. There's no chain of, uh, of of command or anything like that. But no, seriously, I, I take my hat off to you because, I mean, I think you've you've really served this nation very well. And you've looked after people and, you know, you were able to turn your business when uh, you weren't able to open the restaurant into a kind of take home, um, you know, the home James thing, which was brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, you will always survive, James, because you're, you're one of those guys. But there will be other guys who won't survive. There will be, unfortunately, Mike. That's absolutely right. And, you know, and those are the guys that we really need to look after now because mm. they are hardworking guys and they don't deserve to fall through the cracks of society. Yeah. If we're going to rebuild this country, if we're going to start paying back this debt, we need hardworking men out there to go out there and do the work that, that frankly, needs to be done. And all these people that aren't going to make it now, in, then their businesses aren't going to survive and there's going to be an awful lot of them, Mike. Yeah. What are we going to do with those people? We can't just abandon them. It's a sin. It's well, the government seems to think they can retrain them. Uh, you know, you can suddenly become some kind of bleeding, uh, you know, green heat pump salesman or something. You know, when you used to be, you know, a sommelier. You used to be a sommelier in West End restaurant. You know, now you're going to be selling heat pumps to some bloke in Chiswick. Good luck. Good I mean, luck, unbelievable. Mike. And what are you hearing from your customers as well? What are they saying? Because, you know, I think a lot of people now have had enough. They've, they've seen uh, the yeah. worst of it. They've seen what's, what's happened to, to their friends. And obviously we've all taken um, a hit in one way or another many of us have lost loved ones you know and it's not in any way to diminish the, the danger of the of, of what's happened yeah. but nevertheless you know there comes a time when you have to go enough already let's get on with it yeah no i completely agree and each with you know and this variant seems to be incredibly spreading incredibly quickly which is which is good news if it is as mild as people are suggesting and that's what they're now saying yeah yeah so that's so uh, i know plenty of people who have had the new variant in london and, you know, they said they reported mild symptoms. So right. fantastic. If right. that's the way it is, then, then everybody should have herd immunity very, very, very quickly, okay. Mike. And so what are your plans then for the next? I mean, can you even make plans for next week? What are you going to do? 
we're open until we're told otherwise, Mike. We stay. We're we're going to be the last one to turn out the lights. You okay. know, we're open until the government until the government forces us to close. We we stay there. Okay. So you're open for New Year, as far as everybody is aware. We're if open they want to go there. Twenty eight. Yep. Twenty eight. So we're, tonight's our last night. I'm going to spend. I'm going to spend three days at home. I'm going to spend tomorrow building various toys while my kids are asleep. <laughs> and then. And then, and then and then, sp- and then spending a bit of time with my kids over Christmas, right. and then I'm back in on the 28th. And uh, what about uh, down in the old uh, Shires? Are you going to be down there uh, finding some uh, finding some food? Yeah, yeah, we're going to go out, do a little bit of this talking, get some. We still need, you know, you and I still need to do some of that. You know, I might have to wait till it gets a bit warmer. Right. Well, listen, I'll take you out. I'll put you up in a high seat. We'll get you out. We'll uh, we'll get we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll make sure that you put some dinner on your table, Mike. Don't listen, worry about that. Yeah, no, we'll be very be very happy to do it. And hopefully, I'll see you. Um, I probably not around next week, but I'll tell you what. I will make a promise to you that I will come see you uh, in the new year, the first couple of weeks of January. You're a good man, Mike. Good to see you, James. Good luck with it all. Thank you very much indeed uh, for talking to us as ever. James Chiaverini there, uh, the owner of Il Portico, a couple of other restaurants in the West uh, in the, the West. I'm saying the West End. It's sort of the, it is the West End of Kensington High Street. Uh, very highly recommended. You know I talk to James a lot. He's a great guy. Um, and he really has, like an awful lot of people, battled through um, an incredible um, you know, wave of, of, of difficulty because he runs restaurants, and you know as well as I do, um, there are plenty of people out there who go, oh, yeah, the hospitality business, you just like going out eating and drinking. Well, yes, I do, but it also employs a lot of people. It generates massive amounts of money, billions and billions of pounds in tax revenue for the Treasury, uh, and also loads of VAT, of course, as well. Um, but this is a guy who employs a lot of people in the kitchens, in the restaurants that he runs. Uh, he also has an entire, as he said, food chain, uh, which relies upon somebody like him at the end of it buying loads of stuff. And you simply cannot have people sitting about not knowing what is happening from one day to the next. You can't run a business like that. And this government needs to know that we, as the people of this country, demand that Boris Johnson makes a decision, makes a statement, says that Omicron has been proven to be um, a less than deadly virus, less than deadly variant of coronavirus, much less deadly than uh, Delta, which wasn't that deadly either, by the way. Uh, So that if you do get it, Yes, you might not feel terribly well. Yes, you might be off work for a couple of days. However, there's no reason for you to be off work for a week. There's no reason for you uh, to have to worry that your health is going to be in any serious jeopardy unless there's something else wrong with you. And let us please try and get to the point where the government can be trusted to actually allow not only the British public to use their common sense to do the right thing, but also to allow businesses to be able to sell their wares to those members of the British public who wish to go out. If you want to go out for lunch, you should be allowed to go. You shouldn't be encouraged by the likes of Chris Whitty, Captain Bug Eyes, to say, no, no, you can't go anywhere. It might be dangerous. Oh, you might get sick. Well, there's lots of things that can happen to you. You know, don't get on a train. It might crash. Don't get on a plane. It might crash into a mountain. Don't get on a, in a car. It's probably going to crash. I mean, you know, come off it, guys. It's Christmas. It's time that we were able to celebrate that particular Christmas spirit which has made us what we are. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. I have a smile dancing across my lips. I'll tell you why. Uh, Because we're about to have a business meeting. (laughs) 
I know it's an old one now, but we're still doing it. Uh, wine and cheese, obviously, uh, can never ever be considered to be a party, particularly if you're wearing a suit. Dominic Raab says if you're wearing a suit, it can't be a party. Um, the only thing that we haven't got and we haven't been able to source, I'm afraid, uh, is a baby. Um, because normally you would want a baby at a business meeting because that's what all proper business meetings have uh, a baby and probably a wife. Now, I've got a wife here, but she's not my wife, somebody else's wife. It's Helena Nicklin. Welcome. <laughs> Hello, wine um, wife. I suppose I should say uh, it's time for this, shouldn't I? The Thursday <laughs> Club on Talk Radio. Um, welcome um, for the last wine. Uh, Thursday Club of the of the year. It is happy business meeting to Thank you. Thank you so much. And and you know I've got a little something for you. Have you? Before we go on. Oh. Because uh, I'm told, uh, even though we didn't see you last week no. for one reason or another, that mm. it was your birthday. It was, yes. So we have a little thing for you because oh. you've been giving us so much over the course of time. Oh, that's so lovely. So listen, here we are. Wow. Um, many happy returns of the of the last week. Thank you and for a change, you get to take something away. I do, as that's opposed wonderful. to bringing things. So, happy birthday! <laughs> thank you very much. These are beautiful. Flowers. And I've, I've got Adam, my producer, to thank for the idea because uh, I'm not kind-hearted enough to come up with this kind of stuff. But he, <laughs> he said it was a good idea, so I went all right then. Oh, that's lovely! It's so, made my morning. Thank so you. So, welcome. Um, we've got wine and cheese, obviously. Cheese and wine. Inspired by. Actually, is there a way round you say it? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter at all. Well, cheese I normally wine, go wine, wine and, cheese. and cheese. I normally go wine and cheese. It sounds oh, better, God. doesn't it? Um, it was a remarkable party in uh, Downing Street. I actually, like everybody else, um, went back to the same day to see what I was doing. And, do you know, I, it was my first visit to my children in eight weeks. Oh, really? That same day. And I went down to Sussex to see them, having not been to see them for eight weeks. Because we all thought, well, maybe if I'm working in London, I shouldn't take the, the COVID, you know, down to the shires. The um, and these guys were all sitting around happily, you know, babies in arms, you know, wives... Mm. No laptops in uh, evidence. No. Just sitting about just in sitting. groups. I know, I saw the pictures. Because they all worked so hard. Well, so do we all. I, I think a lot of people were working hard, but they weren't able to have the party. They weren't. But we're not going to turn it into a party political broadcast. No, 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 let's not do that. Let's not do that. But let us uh, instead just completely shamelessly rip them off and, uh, and have some wine and cheese. Now, I bet our wine and cheese is better than theirs. I just bet saying. it is. But I mean, the good news is, is that we're not paying, the taxpayers not paying for our wine and cheese. No. Paid for theirs. Exactly. This is a very this good point. This has been provided by some friends of yours. It has. Paxton and Whitfield. Yes. They It's where I found the first editor of the first magazine I ever wrote oh, right. for. I just, I've got a special place in my heart. Mm. And they, because they're the cheese legends, really. Right. They've got a shop, shops in London and there's a lovely one in Bath as well. Oh, right. Proper posh cheese love. We like Bath. I went to university in Bath. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Bath as a city. It's lovely. So um, <laughs> we we've got four bottles here. Four, yes. We, we've gone big today. All white by the looks of it. Um, or is that red? There's a red. Oh, uh, there's there a Von der Rieben. I don't know why I say it like a German. Von der Rieben. It is German. Is it? Well, yes. there we are then. <laughs> it's not a prerequisite. It's a German Pinot Noir. Like German Pinot and Noir. I still say you're the one person that introduced me to German Pinot Noir, and I've never looked back. That's why I thought I'd bring you one. So Lovely. we have two whites, a red and a sweet white Ooh, as well, because okay. actually that's what you want with cheese. And would that be considered a sauterne? It's similar to a sauterne. Yeah. It's actually a late harvest Riesling. Okay. So it's um, a nice. similar sort of style, does right. the same job. Basically. Okay, now you've poured out one because we were a bit short of time before we started. <laughs> so should we start with this? Yes, start, we'll start with a Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, Stones <laughs> and Bones. Stones and Bones. This is actually Portuguese, mm. but... The, the classic match I wanted to show you was Sauvignon Blanc mm. and goat's cheese. Yes. Especially fresh goat's cheese. Mm. So if you see on the board, it's a... It's, is it's, that the white one there? It's the one that looks like goat's cheese, yes. I suppose. And this one is... It's, this is the Serre Souchelle. Mm. Um, and it's got this beautiful little slightly 
smoky, mm. smoky edge to it that you mm. can probably see. Oh, I like that. Because it's from the Loire Valley. So Loire Valley is the home of Sancerre Sauvignon Blanc, really, mm. which is why what goes together grows together so well. And while this isn't a Loire Valley Sauvignon Blanc, I, I just thought it was a, a particularly interesting one. It's to lovely. Show. The cheese is amazing. Mm. And I mean, are you a rind on or off person with it cheese? Depends on the rind itself. Soft mm. rind, I'll go for it. This is nice. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it's really. This is really good. Really, really lovely. Lovely. Mm. Yeah. So mm. goat's cheese and Sauvignon Blanc is the way forward. Okay. And Yeah. And what I loved about this Sauvignon particularly, it's kind of in between a Marlborough style, you know, that really punchy mm. Sauvignon Blanc from New it's Zealand. It's clean, isn't it? Yes. And, and the Sancerre, which is obviously the classic Sauvignon Blanc from France, but it's quite elegant. It's quite yeah. strange. This is bang in the middle. Mm. Beautiful. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. The first combination is a winner for me. Yeah, excellent. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad. Let's try a cheese, I think. Followed mm -hmm. by. Mm. So. Now, this looks very French. Yeah, well, it's actually Australia. So the next wine. So is what I know. <laughs> but it's a Frenchy looking sort of. Um, Do you think? It's like a. I guess so. It's like a, a, Although, a sexy lady on it, the label. It does say, it does say Una. Kunawara, which does Kunawara. Is it Kunawara? Yes, yes. Kunawara. Oh, it's a which C. Is, Okay, Kunawara. It, it is. So See, that sounds Australian, doesn't it? It is. Kunawara, it's mate. really famous for Cabernet Sauvignon. Famous for red okay. wines, Kunawara in Australia. So okay. this is, it's a bit left field to do a Chardonnay here. This is right. the Harmony Rocks Chardonnay. Um, but it, I've chosen it because it it's a lovely, fresh style. It's got a little bit of oak, and mm. that's kind of what you want. Because this, this style of Chardonnay goes really, really well with hard, nutty cheeses. Mm. I think, you know, so you're thinking like a cheddar type cheese? Well, more of um, I mean, it would go well with cheddar, but even even better than that, more like an alpine cheese. So Beaufort, Gruyere, Comte, Comte. Oh yes, you know those okay. kind of things. So we have those. You can see the cheese. It's it's the hard cheese with the the hard rind. So there. am I looking for this one here? Yes, that's that's so that's actually Beaufort. Mm. That's Paxton's Beaufort. It's an alpine mm. cheese that made very oh, yeah. very high altitude. Really, you can taste the nuts. Mm. Very mm. good. Mm. But that's why that with a really fruity wine like Chardonnay mm. works. That's really good. And that little kiss of oak, that spiciness really mm. does, I think, match very well. Mm. Oh. That is lovely. I must oh. admit, I know this is not from Borough Market. We had some cheese from Borough Market the other day. I was over there the other day. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's like you just find yourself buried in this world of cheese. Oh, you do. And you just buy loads of it. I bought loads of it. Did you buy loads of the drunken cheese? I always buy a drunken cheese. Do you know, I had some of that. I didn't because I couldn't find it. Funnily <laughs> oh, enough, it's probably but, all but, gone. But it was probably just as well because I'd bought, already bought like five cheeses that I didn't really need. <laughs> well, I'm going to go home tonight and eat some of them. Well, we all have a lot of cheese, but I'm actually, and there's there's some more beautiful cheeses as well. They've also sent to Comte, but we mm. won't have time to taste okay. it today. So, well, this is lovely so yeah. far. So Chardonnay and Alpine cheese, so Gruyere, Beaufort, or um, Comte, particularly. Mm. I think those two make right. a classic combination. Brilliant, lovely. So yes. now time for the Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir, yes. So German Pinot Noir, as you said, this is the Von Raven. Mm. And I love German Pinot Noir because it's... So do I. It's really, really silky and easy to drink. There's a cat behind you again. <laughs> is there? See, we haven't seen the cat for a while. God, he's after the cheese. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, I haven't seen the cat for a long time, actually. No. Mm. no. Well, well spotted. <laughs> yeah, so, so. so kind of lactic, really soft and silky type of Pinot Noir. Mm. Like, if you want a light-bodied red, just you can't go wrong with this. No. This is lovely. And where's it from in Germany? This one is from Pfalz. Mm. P-F-A-L-Z. Pfalz. Yes. See, I don't know where that is. It's um, it's right in the middle. And it's it's a it's a the winemaker who's been all around the world mm. making different styles of wine. So I he's like brought it. back that knowledge. It's, it's quite very light, isn't it? It is. It is light. If it, it's got, I think because of the year as well, it's got, it's quite warm, a bit more fruit mm. than 
some German Pinot Noirs might usually right. have. And I think okay. that really works well. So this with cheddar. So, so this is the cheddar over here? Yes. So mm. Pinot Noir Crumbly. goes with hard cheese very nicely. And to be fair, this would go with a Beaufort too. But mm. this is the Westcombe cheddar. This is from, this mm. is from Somerset. Oh, this is lovely. And yeah, it's proper cheddar, mm. you know? Yeah. You can get some really weedy cheddars, but they've they've made a lot of changes in their in their. What I'm finding lately is that I hate the kind of waxy, like if you don't... Because you get so spoiled now with all the great cheeses, you know, if you end up just buying one in the supermarket and it's that kind of waxy cheddar and you just kind of go, mm. doesn't even taste of anything. It just tastes it, like fat. It, yeah, it's like somebody's giving you something that's not even really edible, <laughs> pretending to be a block of cheese. Whereas this <laughs> stuff, it's crumbly, it's mm. it's sharp. It's got those little mm. salt crystals as mm. well. All the details, by the way, uh, on the link I circulated earlier on the mm. three drinkers. So okay. um, it's details of all the cheese and all the wine. The wine, by the way, is all Lathwaite. So I must say a huge thank you to them. Mm. Yes, they're kind of back with a vengeance with Good. a fantastic range of stuff. Excellent. Okay. Yes. Well, that's beautiful cheddar. Mm. Yeah, but Pinot, Pinot Noir and cheddar is mm. not normally something that people would think of. But I think if you like a lighter style of wine, it gets lost with goat's cheese. It gets lost with things like, you know, brie and camembert. Yes, because you need a little robust... Mm type of cheese yes you? and not too much stink mm. you know <laughs> lovely no although you know there's plenty of time for that <laughs> of course yes i mm. didn't bring that one into the studio for obvious reasons no, i'm afraid absolutely right um yeah so we look as if we've got a little kind of uh, bluey you ha we have thing going on a blue cheese here the final one now most people think stilton and blue cheese the, mm. the classic is port and stilton which does work yeah you know, we, when we had the the Argentinian of fortified wine the other the other week, yes, we were talking about how actually it's the sweetness that balances the real saltiness of mm. blue cheese. So it does work. However, white sweet wine is so much more refreshing. Yes. So, well, and luckily we have some here. We do, although I don't have any, so I'm going to have to. Oh, really? Pass well, listen, I'm going to pass you the bottle then. Yes, case, I'm going to move my beautiful flowers. You cannot uh, not imbibe. Here we are, <laughs> and it's always got a lovely golden colour. This stuff, isn't it? Yes, it has. Thank you. So this is, this is also German, right? No, we're in New Zealand, from, sorry. This is from New Zealand, it's from it's Nelson, which is right next to Marlborough, but it's a late harvest reasoning. So you talked about Sauterne. Yeah. It's a similar style. Okay. Why it's different is Sauterne has, something happens to the grape called Noble Rot, which is, sounds a bit disgusting. Mm. And it's, it's, a, like it's a good rot, but it gives that really complex marzipan yes. note to Sauterne. Right. Whereas late harvest, it's just the grapes are left on the vines for a lot longer, this is so they shrivel. Interesting nose, though, hasn't it? His, oh yes. I've never smelled anything like that before in a wine. That is riesling showing mm. its age. It's a little is bit it? kind of like diesel and or rubbery, but in mm. a good way. It's quite quirky. That's exactly what it is. Mm. It's, it is. It's like a fuel. And mm. I know that's probably not sounding no, good, <laughs> no. but actually, it's not a bad. It's smell. not. You know, in the same way that barnyard well, you know can be really nice. For some wine. people quite like the smell of petrol. I yeah. mean. You know, it's not that unpleasant. It's like, I used to love the smell of Hampstead Underground when I was growing up. <laughs> I used to have the air would waft out of it. It was this horrible kind of, I presume, stale, <sighs> underground, sort of hot air. But, but yeah. I loved it, you mm, know. It means something too. But that, this, this yeah, it's smells very, it's like... very petroleum-ish. It is. I love like that. Like lime and rubber. That's mm. what that's what reasoning is as it shows its age. Mm. So what if, what's going to happen to my palate when I put a bit of blue cheese well, on top see, of it? Well, you see, because you've got the sweetness and the saltiness. So this is a cashel blue. This is actually an Irish cheese, the only of the first mm. blue cheese in Ireland. I actually went there when we were filming, actually. Mm. And yes, well, mm. the three drinkers is... Um, out soon it is yeah i mean february we'll go we'll, okay. get, there. we'll get there um, yes but three drinkers in ireland thank you mm. we'll be there and we do we do a lot oh, more food nice. and wine i like this yeah it's, it's quite a, mild isn't it it is it, it, so if you like stilton you'll love cashel blue it's a bit softer it's a little bit more mm. easygoing okay but salty very mm. nice 
Yeah. Well, listen, this has been mm. a delightful way to end the year, I would say. I think so. You know, a little bit of um, a bit of protein along with the wine <laughs> to keep you going so That's that you right. don't get too drunk too quickly. Remember, always drink responsibly. Always. Uh, particularly over the Christmas period. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.